Hello and welcome back to the True Blue Sporting Podcast and a review of the week that was in Australian sport. Uh, we'll start off with the NRL, slowly work into the AFL and then finish up with some cricket and the success which is going on in that arena. To start off, the NRL. On Thursday night, the Gold Coast Titans claimed a last-minute victory against the West Tigers. Now, many are saying this is one of the worst games which they have ever seen. And, yes, it was a very dour affair. Um, you know, it wasn't exciting. There wasn't points put on. There wasn't that attacking flair, which, you know, the, these sides have been accustomed to, especially the Titans early on in this season. And the Tigers, well, their history would suggest that they do put points on. But this year, they're just incapable of doing it. What a tough way to lose for the Tigers. They were up 6-2 with one minute to go. Turning the ball over in the uh, left-hand corner of the Gold Coast Titans, um, and they worked it out from their try line and ended up scoring a try with a kick that hit the upright, landed in the hands of Jock Madden, and Jock Madden was tackled by Aaron Clark. And the ball just spilled, and, and Brimson was there to polish it off. So the Titans, they get out of jail, but the Tigers, they just fail to win. They've really forgotten how to win at Concord, and it was um, there to see on Thursday night. They couldn't get the job done when it was required. Now, obviously, question marks are being raised around Michael Maguire's tenure as the head coach there. I don't think they um, It's just, I don't know where the club goes uh, if they do look to move on Michael Maguire. And if you have seen, um, Jackson Hastings did do an interview on Sunday night on the Matty John Show, and he is all in on Michael Maguire as the head coach and believes that it will turn around. So all the talk there at from the Tigers is that he is the man to lead it, but they've just got to find a way to win. They play Cronulla this week, and it's going to be incredibly hard for them to get the win because they are playing some very good football, but I'll get onto that a bit later. The Titans, look, they got the job done. The big thing about the Titans has been their defence. Yes, the Tigers weren't uh, pushing them with the attacking structure which they were showing, but it's all about um, the defence for the Titans. It was a good defensive performance from them. Offensively, they were off. It was a night off for them, but... They backed their defence and they got the job done, which is what they've got to do to move forward as a, a top eight contender in this competition. Obviously, I've got them missing out just this year, but if they want to be fighting for that top eight, their defence is going to be on because when they've got the likes of um, Brimson, Sexton and Campbell all playing together, they are extremely dangerous. Uh, Jermaine Asako also made, came in and played um, his first game for the club after making the, um, the move down the highway from Brisbane to the Gold Coast. I mentioned Cronulla, and they were the first game on Friday night against the Newcastle Knights, and they defeated them 18 points to nil. Cronulla, geez, they're strengthening um, game by game. Uh, they, their combinations are starting to develop, and they're starting to become extremely nice, and, sh and they're starting to look like a top-four side the longer this season goes on. I think their attack is is starting to get there, but it's all built off their defense. They kept the Knights to zero points after the Knights have been very, very good offensively to start the season. Um, so Craig Fitzgibbon going there with that defensive mindset is only benefiting them moving forward. For Newcastle, I don't think they need to be concerned. Um, you know, obviously they started off the season very well, but the spotlight has now been put on them and they've gone two for two. They probably played 
Um, they played the Premiers of last year in Penrith, and they were expected to be beat there. We would have liked to see a bit of a more competitive performance from Newcastle in this match, but the scoreline did blow out. It was, um, you know, 6 0 for a long, uh, for a majority of that game, um, but they just um, weren't able to stay with them. And many people see these guys fighting it out for a top eight spot, and then they'll be in and around the same spot on the ladder. So uh, for Newcastle, they've just got to um, get back to what they were doing in round one and round two, uh, and in the next couple of rounds and slowly work back towards that. And um, if they return to that form, there's no reason why they can't push for the top eight. Um, I want to mention for Cronulla, um, Talakai in that center spot, he was absolutely damaging. Something like 16 tackle breaks in that contest. He was dangerous every time he touched the ball and gave Dane Gagai absolute nightmares in this contest. And um, I think Dane Gagai would be waking up on the Saturday morning with an extremely sore chest because the big hands of Talakai um, were in there often. He got the bumper bars up and he and he ran at him and he gave him absolute nightmare. But to all credit to Dane Gagai, he stayed there all night and turned up like he always does. The grand final rematch on um, Friday night didn't really surprise anyone obviously Penrith came out the victors 26 points to 12 and South Sydney well they um people are starting to um be concerned about um South Sydney personally I'm not because I understand that they need time to develop but this is the game this is a game where it really tested them and I think they failed for the first time this season obviously round one they um was a very disappointing loss for them but as well but I think this is where concern comes in for South Sydney. It was a grand final rematch, and it, they weren't up for it. Obviously, they're led by Cameron Murray so superbly, but I feel like they're too reliant and too dependent on him. And if he has one, he didn't even have an off night on Friday night, but that's how reliant they are of him. Yes, they had a few players go off. Nichols um, was out within the first couple of minutes, so they were reduced to 16. But, you know, they, they're very reliant on Cameron Murray, and... Um, Someone's got to go with him. Someone in that forward pack has got to acknowledge that Cameron Murray cannot do it on his own because right now he is. Um, I thought Latrell Mitchell was a bit quiet. Um, he, after his performance against the Roosters, Latrell's going to try and get that consistency week in, week out. Now he can't, he's he's got to be the man at um, at Redfern, and he has been for the past couple of seasons. But this year, I think without Reynolds, we're starting to see that he needs to getting a first receiver a lot more. He's got to start playing the way that Tedesco and Turbo do. That's not to say that the way the Latrell plays isn't um, damaging because when he's on, he is fantastic. But the best fullbacks in the game right now are coming in and playing first receiver. I just don't know if he's doing that enough. And it also will take a lot of pressure off Ilias as well. Um, Ilias, he's slowly working his way into first grade and he's getting better week by week but it will take pressure off him. And I think Cody Walker needs to um, also improve his game in order to take the pressure off the young halfback um, there. For Penrith, they are just... Um, they're the best team in the competition by far for mine at the moment. They are incredibly good. Um, Isaiah Yo, he is the best player in the competition to start this season. Out of a possible 12 Dalian points, he has received 12. So that's four straight man-of-the-match performances, and that's exceptional. 
he will be the man that wears the number 13 jersey for Australia in this World Cup. For mine, there's no one. Obviously, Cameron Murray is there as well, but Isaiah Yo for mine, has to be the man um, wearing that jersey, especially with the formies. In the fullback, Dylan Edwards was also very impressive. Obviously, Nathan Cleary's first game back. It wasn't Nathan, uh, Nathan Cleary masterclass, but he worked his way um, into the game, and it was a perfect first hit out for him in the season. You know, he... Um, Got through the contact, got through it physically, and then was able to put the polish on the set end of sets for Penrith. So a nice return for Nathan Cleary um, in this contest. The Warriors defeated the Brisbane Broncos 20 points to 6. And Brisbane, they've gone backwards, unfortunately, for mine. They, I, at the start of the year, I thought that they would be pushing um, to be a top 8 contender. And the first two rounds, they... They looked like they were doing that. However, these last two rounds, they've just been disappointed. I think the blowtorch has been put on them, and they've crumbled. They've lost Patrick Carrigan for a period of time now. He was injured. He got injured in this contest, and that's going to impact them because at the moment, it's Payne Haas and Carrigan doing it, doing it on their own. Like They are so reliant on Payne Haas, it is actually ridiculous. Someone in that forward pack needs to go with them. Tony Staggs, I thought he was disappointing once again. Tony, he's so damaging when he, his, when he gets his hands on the footy, but he doesn't get his hands on the footy enough. For the Warriors, it's a good performance. The only thing with New Zealand, it's so frustrating with them because they can produce a performance like this, but they can never do it consistently. They're currently 2-2 two and two this season, the Warriors, so let's see this consistency. They've got two wins on the bounce, this is where the Warriors need to really, if they want to take that step forward and push for the top eight, they need to be doing it consistently. Because when they put performances on like this, it's exciting. They're a fun team to watch. They move the ball. It's an exciting brand of football. But they just don't do it for long periods of time. But like, And when I mean long periods of time, I mean in a month and in a couple months. Like They're very, very good in patches throughout a season, but it's about time that they do it consistently. And that's been their biggest problem probably ever since they came in to the NRL. They've just never had seasons where they've done it consistently, week in, week out. So that's the big test for New Zealand moving forward because this, when they play this brand of footy, they're exciting. Reese Walsh, Sean Johnson, they're an exciting team to watch. And, and they produce results but they just don't do it for long enough periods of time. So that's where they move forward. If they can put weak um, performances in week in, week out, which are like this, there's no reason why they can't push for the top eight, but they really need that consistency. Saturday, um, it was the Manly Seagulls claiming victory two in a row, 25 points to six against the Canberra Raiders. A good performance for Manly, which was um, sort of, Blurred by the injury to Tom Chavoyevich, he is now out for four weeks and a massive impact to their season. Obviously, we know what happens when Tom Chavoyevich goes out of that side. They started 0-4 last season when he wasn't there. So it'll be interesting to see how they go without him uh, moving forward for the next period of time. Um, and the Canberra Raiders, geez, they continue to, dis to disappoint. They are hot and they are cold. They are just... You do not know what you are going to get from them. They're very similar to the Warriors this season. Um, but Canberra, they just need to... I don't know what it is, but they can produce really good performances 
and then they can produce performances like they did on the weekend. Manly, a sound performance. I wouldn't say it was a great performance to what we're used to, but look, they've just got to win at this time of the year. Look, they've started 0-2. They've then gone two wins on the bounce. Let's see. They've got Newcastle the next week. I think um, that's going to be an extremely exciting contest. Um, but they've got to now put some points together without Turbo. If they can do that, I think they'll confirm to the competition that they are ready to go and push for the title. But this is their big test now without Tom Trevojevic. Obviously, we know how good he is and how um, great of an impact he has on this side. Um, so without him, who knows what's going to happen to Manly. It's a very interesting month coming up, and I'm really um, looking forward to seeing how it unfolds and develops moving forward. Saturday night, it was the Sydney Roosters travelling up to Townsville and defeating the Cowboys 28 points to 4. I think if we look at this match, it's both sides returning to form. With the Sydney Roosters, a very good performance. Tedesco, Joey Manu, Luke Keary, Walker, Radley, they all played very, very solid games of, first, uh, of football. And then the Cowboys, look... No one predicted the Cowboys to do what they've done at the start of the season. So this performance is what we expect from them against a big hitter like the Roosters. It's disappointing, um, uh, especially after what they produced against Brisbane. You would have hoped that they stuck in the game a bit. Um, but the Roosters, they just flexed their muscle. Um, that's what they did on the weekend. And, you know, they did what they have to do. And that's the important part when a, when a top four side comes up against the side like the Cowboys. They've just got to do what they've got to do. It doesn't matter how impressive it is because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you, if you get the two points. That's all that matters in the regular season. So it's for the Roosters, you know, they're back to 2-2. Two two. Um, so they're at, they're at 500 for the season and um, their starts of the seasons aren't concerns. We know what they can produce. And if they get on um, a hot run of form, They'll put this competition on notice, and I'm still sticking to my preseason prediction of them winning the Premiership in season 2022. Um, the Melbourne Storm, they absolutely demolished the Bulldogs, keeping them scoreless with a 44-point um, to nil victory. Ryan Pappenhausen, what a player he is. Returning to the form which we saw before the head knock at Magic Round, three tries and three tries which were perfect fullback play following up and uh, in the middle third of the field and when line breaks um, happen. It's so exciting to watch him play when they're on fire. And Melbourne, look, a really impressive performance, but I really want to focus on the Bulldogs in this contest because Melbourne, yes, they're a, they're a very talented side. We know what we're going to get from them. We know what to expect, and they deliver week in, week out. The Bulldogs, they had a very decent start of the season. They got the win up against um, the Cowboys in Townsville. Yes, it was ugly, but they got the job done. Then they almost got the job done against the Broncos. Many say that an obstruction call cost them that game. And then last week, uh, not obviously not last week with the defeat to Melbourne, but the game against Manly, they lost by a point. But they've gone backwards for mine uh, in this contest. It What baffles me with them is their halfback and halves changing week in, week out. Avarillo started the season. He spent all off-season there. Then Wakem comes in. Kyle Flanagan is now playing for the next match against Penrith. 
Matt Burton must be sitting there going, what have I got myself into? We had all off-season to be getting this ready and to be getting this right. And we've cha- I played with three halfbacks week in, uh, in the first five weeks of the competition. I think, you know, pressure needs to be placed on Trent Barrett as the head coach of the Bulldogs because they've spoken about the huge recruitment drive which they've been on. But a performance like that on... Um, on Sunday, that was really disappointing. They weren't even in the contest. At least with the Tigers, we can say that they've been in contest, but they just haven't got the job done. With the Bulldogs, they were nowhere to be seen on Sunday, and they got blown out 44-0. Like, if they, they've got an extremely tough run within the next couple of weeks, which sees them pay Penrith, South Sydney, and I believe Parramatta. If they, they, are, they should lose all those games. So when does the pressure get put on Trent Barrett? When does the talk around Trent Barrett's tenure at the Bulldogs come to the fore? I know he's got some players coming in next year, but they've got to produce results and they've got to see consistent improvement from this side. So I think this contest for the Bulldogs saw them go backwards and it's a concern for mine because it would have been... If they had been beaten, but in a good performance, in a good solid um, contest, this was, they just turned up and it was like a training run for Melbourne um, on Sunday afternoon, so I think it's time which there are a few question marks are raised around Trent Barrett as the head coach. The final game of the round, the Parramatta Eels, 48, defeated the St. George Illawarra Dragons, 14. Parramatta are looking extremely good um, to start the season. They always do. That's the thing with Parramatta. We know what we're going to get in the early rounds. They're going to be up and about. Their halves in Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses are playing exceptional football at the moment. Uh, I thought Dylan Brown was the best player on the field on the weekend. And he's just free. He's free to play his style of game. I think last year he was um, he didn't have that confidence um, in himself to go and take the game on. But now he's really taken the game on. And when Dylan Brown takes the game on, it takes a lot of pressure, lot, pressure off Mitchell Moses, which then frees up Mitchell Moses. Because Mitchell Moses, he's such a confidence player and he's able to play his best football when there's no pressure on him. If Dylan Brown's taking the line on, he's give, delivering the ball to his outside men, he's getting his he's getting his edge involved. Mitchell Moses knows what he's going to get from him and he's going to be able to trust Dylan Brown and his edge, which then allows him to play his game. He's allowed, able to play eyes up footy and when he plays eyes up footy, he's one of the best players or definitely the best halfback in the competition when he plays eyes up footy and takes the game on. There was a play where Dylan Brown, there was a, on the left-hand side of the field, Dylan Brown took the game on. Uh, there was a line break. Mbai makes the tackle. They go to Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses looks up, no fullback, puts the ball in behind, and that's playing eyes up footy, taking the game on. So, And that's an example of the halves working together. And when they're working together, they are an incredible combination. For St. George... Again, similar to the uh, to the Bulldogs, going backwards for mine. Um, a lot of talk at the start of the year saying they're going to be a top eight contender. The decision to move M by the fullback, Jack Bird to six, six, and drop Sloan and Amone is absolutely baffling to me. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I think Tyrell Sloan is your fullback moving forward. Tyrell Sloan is a fantastic player. He is so 
as a spectator, he's so exciting to watch, and he offers so much to their attack. I don't know what the decision was put with putting Mitchell Moses at fullback. Uh, not Mitchell Moses, Moses Embi at fullback. He just doesn't offer anything, and there's no knock on M Moses Embi. He's a great utility, and he brings great utility value to the Dragons, and I think he was doing a very good job at nine, and it just confuses me that, that they made three changes in their spine. Three out of the four positions have been changed, and they've continued with those changes this week, and I just don't understand why it's something which they would do, because... Again, you train all off-season with these combinations. They need time to develop in-game um, experiences. And through changing it three weeks in, it just doesn't allow it to happen. So I just don't understand that move. And it's um, extremely baffling to me, especially with how talented Sloan and Amone are. I think Amone has been disappointing to start the season. But still, you've got to give him time. You've got to give a youngster more than three weeks to perform because... That's your. That was their decision moving forward. With with moving on Corey Norman, they were going to go. Um, with moving on Corey Norman and Dufty, they were they became invested in youth, and now after three weeks or four weeks, it seems to be um, non-existent anymore, and they can seem to completely ignore it. Um, but that was rugby league for this round. Uh, I wouldn't say it's been as good as the previous rounds. Um, but look, it was a great round of rugby league nonetheless. Moving forward to the AFL, we'll skim through who I had winning and then what actually happened. On Thursday night, the Bulldogs, they got their first win over the Sydney Swans. The Bulldogs, they just scraped through in the end. Look, they kicked 19 goals, 17 behinds, and they only won by 11. And Sydney were definitely not up to scratch. They were extremely disappointing after a very good start to the season, which saw them go 2-0, um, and oh, now back to 2-1. and one. Um, But the Bulldogs, they got the job done. They did what they had to do, got the job done. Melbourne, they defeated the Essendon Bombers 99-70. Um, to 70. Um, yeah, don't really know much about this contest. Um, Melbourne, they just flex their muscle as a premiership contender. Unfortunately for Essendon, they moved to 0-3. Um, so big concerns for the Bombers, Bombers uh, to start the season. Geez, the showdown, it um, threw up a grand stand finish. Adelaide Crows, 15-6-96, defeated Port Adelaide, 13-14-92. Um 92-91 with a minute to go. Travis Travis Boak has... Sorry, 91-90 with a minute to go. Travis Boak has the opportunity to seal the game for Port Adelaide. He misses, kicks a behind. The ball then goes down the other end of the field. Free kick with six seconds to go. And Jordan Dawson step, stands up for Adelaide. He slots it through. Little bit of a wobbly kick. Looked like it was going to go for a minor score, but then miraculously swung back through the big sticks. And the Adelaide Crows picked up their first win of the season. And now, a lot of pressure on Port Adelaide and their head coach, Ken Hinckley. They are 0-3. So a lot of the talk in the AFL media is that Ken Hinckley is under pressure and he's got to produce results, and it's got to happen very, very quickly. The GWS Giants uh, dismissed the um, Gold Coast Suns, winning 12-11-83 to 
9.57. A disappointing performance from Gold Coast, but the Giants, well, they bounced back and got their season up and running. Collingwood, they were defeated 13-13-91 by Geelong, 16-8-104, but Geelong, geez, didn't they storm back? They were down by a nine-goal quarter, something from Collingwood in the third quarter. Looked to have the game won and uh, run and won, but Geelong, the experienced heads, they held their nerve when the um, when the game was on the line. They slowly worked their way back. They draw, they clawed the Magpies in, and they f- eventually ran over them. A lot of lessons to learn for the young Collingwood Magpies, uh, but a good lesson to learn early on in the season, I think. Um, obviously, they would have loved to get the job done, but it's an important lesson to learn. Um, you know, when you're in front, to hold that victory, hold your nerve. Uh, mentioned to the Geelong captain, Joel Selwood, he passed the all-time games record for a captain in Geelong, and he is their inspirational leader. Brisbane, 23-18-156, absolutely demolished North Melbourne, 7-6-48. You know, an 100-point victory for Brisbane. Um, They flex their muscle. Um, they're going to be in and around this premiership. Um, a lot of people saying their premiership window is sort of beginning to close, and um, they've made a really big statement um, against North Melbourne, who many people are predicting to be at the bottom of the ladder. Carlton, 11-8-74, defeated Hawthorne, 11-7-73, a one-point victory for Carlton. And um, they extend to 3-0. Who would have thought Carlton 3-0 to start the season? Not many people, but they defeated Hawthorne. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, a great, a great result for Carlton. Um, and for Hawthorne, not to be disappointed because they did slowly rein them in. I do believe that Carlton had an extended lead and a, um, a lead for a long period of time. But Hawthorne, they were able to get the game nice and close, but just weren't able to get over the final hurdle. St. Kilda, 18-9, 117 defeated Richmond, 13-6-84. Concern for Richmond, for mine, they're just not up to where they are, um, where they have been in previous seasons, uh, pushing for titles and winning premierships, obviously being a, uh, the most recent dynasty in the AFL. Dusty, obviously a big loss for them, but they have had a few key injuries in key positions. St. Kilda, a great result for them. And there was a bit of pressure starting to be put on the Saints, but they have come out and got the job done. And West Coast, 7-5-47, were defeated by their crosstown rivals, Fremantle, 15-12-102. West Coast, they are um, struggling this season big time. And, um, you know, their, their whole COVID situation isn't going well there, but... Um, you know, it's disappointing um, to see a performance like that. Obviously, you'd want to see, um, especially in your crosstown um, derby, a better performance than that. So that is the AFL for this week. Moving on, we've got uh, the cricket, the Australian tour of Pakistan. Unfortunately for our Aussies, after the victory in the first ODI, we actually lost the series. Um Two games, uh, a three-game series. Pakistan won the second ODI by six wickets. The Aussies, they made 348. Ben McDermott, McDermott made his first 100 for Australia. 
Um, Travis Head, again, another knock of 89. Um, another great knock with um, for his country. But Ulhaq made 106 for Pakistan, and Babar Azam, the best ODI batsman, made 114, which eventually saw them um, rain out victory, victors in that second ODI. And in the third ODI, it was extremely disappointing for our Aussies, actually. They um, were very disappointing. Um, you know, they they were rolled for 210 in 42 overs, and, you know, it was an easy chase for Pakistan. They chased it down very comfortably, um, being one for 214 after 38 overs. So an extremely disappointing end to the ODI series, especially because we had been playing some good cricket. There were there were obvious big names that there have always been. So it was a sort of second string side, but we like our Australians to compete at every opportunity that they get. Um, although they weren't able to claim victory in the um, ODI, in the 50 over um, format of the game, our Australians, they were successful in the one-off T20 match, um, seven for 163, um, chasing down the eight for 162, which were made by Pakistan. Um, Aaron Finch really flexed his muscle in this contest and um, he was exceptional, um, which really made up for quite a disappointing 50-over um, series for him with the bat. He made a duck and didn't really make a score. So it's good to see um, Aaron Finch. He's one of those players which you can't keep down, uh, down for a, a long period of time. We move on to our women, and they were successful in their final against England. That's right. We are World Cup champions once again in the 50-over format of the game, uh, taking the title back from England. Um, and we currently hold the 50-over and T20 World Cup um, trophies in the women. Alyssa Healy. The best knock in a World Cup final by a male or a female. She made 170 and she was dispatching the ball to all parts of the ground. When the game's, when it's a big, big game, Alyssa Healy is the one to stand up when it counts. When the whips are cracking, she's the one that takes the game by the scruff of the neck and moves it forward. A great knock. She was very well supported by Haynes at the top of the order. We were none for a hunt. Uh, we were we were none for by the 35th over. They just moved the game forward and they set the game up for Australia. Uh, it was a very exciting chase though for uh, from England with Natalie Skiver making 148 not out. Now imagine making 148 in a World Cup final and ending up on the losing side of the match. It was an absolutely um, incredible knock by her, but they, she just didn't have anyone to go with her, with the next highest score being only 27. With the ball for our Aussies, Jessica Ho Johannesson took three for, and Alana King, the leg spinner, took three for as well. Um, so a great performance all round by our Aussies. Um, and it's great to see they are really the best Australian sporting side for mine. They just deliver every single time. They have so much expectation on them because of the history which this side has. They've been on an incredible run of something like 20-plus victories. But they, they've got that pressure on them, but they deliver every single time. And they are probably, for mine, in my opinion, the greatest uh, the greatest sporting side which the country has at the moment that being 
the Australian women's cricket side. They're far and above everyone else just because of their sustained success um, over the last couple of years. Um, so a great result for them, and it's fantastic to see. Um, so thank you. That's all we've got time for on the True Blue Sporting Podcast for the week that was in Australian sport. I'll see you next time to preview the next week of the AFL and the NRL. Cheers.